Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and on this week's episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we're going to have a expert psychologist coming in to talk with us about how we can use food and family meal times to connect on a deeper level with our children. Dr. Caroline Klaus Ellers, or CC, as we'll call her today, uh, is joining us. And CC, I'm so glad to have you. Thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and your new book? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm Cece, and my husband and I wrote a book called Eating Together, Being Together, Recipes, Activities, and Advice from a Chef, Dad, and Psychologist Mom. And the book really was about how we can encourage our kids to bring eating mindfulness to mealtime and to food and to health and to their lives. So our approach is really about encouraging kids to be aware of what they're eating, encouraging kids to make choices about what they're eating. My husband, who's my co-author, Julian, is a professional chef. And so he really incorporates recipes into the book that try to foster that. And then we have activities for all of the different recipes that kids from toddlerhood through the teen years can participate in. And I guess I should also share that I'm a mom and I have a range of ages. So my youngest is six. He's going to be seven in just a couple of days. And my oldest is 19. So the activities really come from, you know, our experiences, life experiences around having, you know, young children through young adults, um, basically. And it was just really fun to kind of think about this. I, to be fully transparent, am a non-cook. I'm really not good at it. So I edited the recipes and I was like, Julian, no one's going to understand this technique. We really need to spell this out. (laughs) Thank you for making it more accessible for all of us. I wanted to ask you, so did you, did any of your kids struggle with pickiness as they were coming up? Because that's something I hear about from my listeners a lot that we struggle with. Yeah. I mean, it was a mix. Our kids really were very explorative in 
they're eating because they saw their dad making all these foods and encouraging them to try these different foods. So we had that aspect. We also had the, you know, no, like, especially with our youngest, you know, he's like, no, I don't want to try that. And well, could you try it? We recently were talking about the book and he was at the event and and we were talking about if you could have a salad what kind of salad would you want to have and he said I'd love to have a candy salad (laughs) and then we said oh that you know okay that sounds really good and then we kind of opened it up to the kids in the group and so then they came up with they all liked carrots and they would have like a carrot salad Mm. so you know I think picky eating is is a thing that I don't, I mean, I don't know if all parents deal with it, but it's certainly something that we've experienced and it's been a range, you know, in terms of just trying to figure out and problem solve how to diversify mealtime. Yeah. Yeah. And I think probably not freak out about it too. So I really like that you focus on mindfulness and I think it's so important to be thinking about the mindfulness aspect for the kids, you know, being fully present with their food, actually fully experiencing it. But for us too, I think that when we, when it comes to food and feeding our children, it can be very anxiety provoking for, for some parents thinking about their balancing their nutrition and are they getting what they need and all of those things. And I think mindfulness can help with that too, for ourselves. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you bring mindfulness into the, into meals, into eating with kids? Sure. So, you know, mindfulness is all about sort of that self-awareness and almost like, you know, taking a breath and just being in the moment. And I appreciate parents feeling anxious about mealtime and things like that. Our kids are like sponges, as you know, and they absorb that energy. And so not to put even more stress on it, but to kind of give yourself permission, I think to say, you know, it's okay, we're going to do the best that we can. And that's, that's, okay, I think that can open up a pathway for mindfulness. So one of the things we talk about in the book is we talk about this concept of classical conditioning where things, you know, a a stimulus can get paired with something in in a certain way, right? And so, and that has an impact on our experience. So when we think about like, we all probably have a food that we just don't like. And maybe there was a classical conditioning experience. Like maybe you ate this food and then you got food poisoning or you got a stomach Mm. virus. And so you pair now that negative experience with that food. So, you know, it's okay if our kids don't eat all the foods, you know, part of eating mindfulness is to say, that's not my preference you know, but I'll have this, right? So like, oh, I don't like like our son, like, I don't want a lettuce salad, but I'll have a carrot salad. Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to figure out what those options are. And in fact, in our salad chapter, we have salads that lots of salads that have no lettuce at all, right? You don't even have to call it salad. My kids' favorite salad, we got out of a recipe or out of um, a high five magazine or like a highlights magazine. And they love it still to this day. We've been having it since they were like two. And it's shredded carrots, 
uh, olive oil and orange juice and it's supposed to be raisins, but my kids don't like raisins. So we put craisins in it, like little dried cranberries Wonderful. and it's delicious. They love it. And we'll eat a whole bowl of shredded carrots. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's really fun about that is that that's eating mindfulness there because like your kids are saying, we don't like raisins, but we'll do craisins. And so yeah. like a, a key theme in the book is about, you know, as we're encouraging our kids to be aware of what they're eating and making choices about what they're eating, you can substitute things, right? Like you can figure yeah. out ways that that salad is going to fit what your kids like. And we do it too, you know, as adults, right? Some of us might like ketchup. Some of us might like mustard. Right. You know? And I mean, it's really like this bigger process, right? Of learning to tune in and listen to yourself, to listen to to your own body, to your own mind, to your own heart. And like, that's, I mean, for conscious parents, which most of us who are listening to this podcast are working on being, that's that's the whole point. That's all we're really trying to do is to learn to do that for ourselves and to help support our kids and learning to to tune in and trust themselves. You know, it's good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's such a point of, role modeling for your kids, right? Mm -hmm. Just to, just to, they're watching you and just to kind of show, right? Like, okay, we don't want the raisins. Let's try something else. What might that be? Oh, it could be craisins, you know, or even, you know, one of the activities is like, you know, putting out all different kinds of in little bowls, like veggies and stuff and different kinds of things. And like, these are the options. So, well, you have to choose something, right? So what are you going to choose, you know, but they're all good options. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there are many ways I think we can incorporate that with ourselves being models of that for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And something else that you focus on that I really like is this piece of connection too. I think one of the reasons why my kids like that salad so much was because it was in a magazine that we were reading together. And it was one of those moments where they asked to do something and it, they heard a yes from us. And then we did it together. It was something that like my daughter, I think was probably my oldest was four and my youngest was two at the time. My f- oldest could make almost entirely by herself, you know? And so we would, that's when she started cooking. She loves, yeah. to, she still loves to cook with us. And so I, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about how we can make meal preparation, a mindful and connecting experience too for families. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's like classical conditioning, right? Like in a positive way, you know, so I think there are many ways that we can do this. And I just want to say that this is not a book about that you as a family have to have dinner together every night. That's not what this book is about. And in fact, again, full transparency, you know, with Julian being a professional chef, our family mealtime is Sunday night dinner, like once a week. Mm. People are busy. Kids have schedules. Parents are working. It really is about creating sort of a routine or a process that works for your family. Cece, I'm so glad that you're bringing that up because I think that that is a huge area of concern for lots of families, you know, so lots of the listeners for this podcast are really interested in research. And I think all parents have heard the research on how important family meals are. I think it's so important to understand that that research is not as causational, like there's not as so much causality as it makes it seem that there is, you know, that research in media is talked about like that 
by having family meals, you'll have more connection. And, but really it's a correlate. Those are all correlational studies that families who tend to have family meals also tend to do other things that are probably beneficial for the kids and their relationships. So I really like that you're talking about this because there's lots of families that I work with personally for whom family meals aren't a possibility. There's too much anxiety to come to the dinner table. Sometimes screens need to be used in order for certain children who have specific needs in order to be able to get food into the body. And so I would love to just hear some perspectives and some ways that you can use some of the the food as a connection point that isn't specifically sitting out at a table eating together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's research and there's reality, right? Yeah, right. Every family has their own reality. And I I, just to your point of what you were saying is, you know, I was at talking about the book and it was really fun because I was um, talking about the book with my oldest daughter, 19, on her college campus. And we did it at the, you know, college bookstore and the parents were there and a parent asked a question about, you know, what do you remember as like one of your, you know, meaningful times around family mealtime? And she said, I really loved and looked forward to the Sunday night dinner. And I thought, wow, that is, you know, internally I'm, I'm clapping. Yay. You know, that's great because to your point and to, you know, families that are now feeling pressure, like I have to do this, I have to do this. We never did that. It was for us, it was really the one time a week because of Julian's schedule, but it was meaningful and significant for her. So what I'm saying, I guess, is that you families, we encourage families to do what works for them Mm -hmm. and what works for their lives and their, the structure of their lives. And that can be significant and important, right? For your kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you're so right. Finding the things that matter to your family, creating like a family culture that's meaningful for you that allows for those those points of connection to happen. I I think in my, like my theory, and I'm pleased, I know you've done more research on this than I have, but I think that it's, it's not necessarily the eating together that's so important. It's the consistent practice of coming together, communicating face-to-face, having moments where you're present with each other that has nothing to necessarily to do with eating, but much more to do with being with each other, be, being together, Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the kitchen is a place to really foster that being together in many different ways. So, you know, like for listeners who have teens and, you know, we have two teen daughters, you know, I will just they love to cook. And that's, you know, they kind of got that. Well, they definitely got that from their dad. And so, you know, if they're in the kitchen cooking something or even just, you know, for parents with kids who don't enjoy cooking or don't cook, just getting something out of the fridge. Like I'll, I'll just happen quote unquote to like be in the kitchen, right? Like I'm just around. Cause if I ask, you know, how are you doing? It's going to be fine. I'm fine. So, you know, rather than asking, it's kind of like, you know, you're just kind of there. And then what can maybe come up organically? Mm-hmm. And we've had these wonderful conversations in the kitchen just by things coming up organically. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that's a way of just 
kind of being together. I know for me, when I was a teenager, my parents did a really good job of figuring out what foods my friends liked and always had them at home. And so my my friends didn't always, we always had fresh fruit at our house, just lots of just big bowl of apples and oranges and bananas out. And that's what my friends liked. And so when my my house was the place that all the friends wanted to come to. And we would just sit in the kitchen eating with my mom and dad and they would chat with us, you know, and that was so nice. And so I think that that's something that my parents did really well was getting to know my friends, getting to know their food preferences, because I think you're right that especially for teenagers, they, the, the way to their hearts is through their stomachs sometimes. Absolutely. And having, you know, those fruits just in bowls on the counter and just available like, oh, I'm running out the door. I'm going to, you know, take an apple with me or, oh, I'm, you know, going to go. I'm going to take this orange. Like one of our snack recipes is so easy. It's just it's apple wedges. It's like you just cut the apple into wedges. You put some mix up in a separate bowl, some cinnamon and sugar. You sprinkle it on the apple. And then you have it like, oh, I'm taking this apple or, oh, let me make this, you know, yummy kind of sweet snack real quick. Boom, boom, boom. And, Mm -hmm. and, And there you go. But, you know, what you're saying with the friends and what your parents did is so important because, you know, they're, they're building community there for you and for your friends and there's this idea of like positive peer pressure, right? Like we've had, you know, kids come over pre pandemic and, you know, like parents saying, you know, when my girls were little, our, you know, our child, and we talk about this in the book, like just to know, you know, our child isn't going to eat any salad just to know. And, you know, and my girls love salad because the salad dressing is so good. It's made with maple syrup. It's so yummy. Mm. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm going to try because they're trying. And then suddenly like, oh, everyone's eating salad. Because it's not salad as we think about it. It's salad mm-hmm. like it's really delicious. And, you know, you could substitute that word salad for anything, right? Any, you know, yeah. fruit or, you know, any broccoli or any anything. Mm-hmm. I think that that highlights too is something that can happen at friends' houses or in different environments that can be a little clue to that there's some pressure happening at home. So sometimes I, I hear from families where the kids are very picky at home, but adventurous other places. And that's always a little bit of a tell for me that there's some, there's some pressure system happening in, yeah. in the house, you know, and so looking inward, checking in if your kid is in that place, if just checking in with yourself, what's the energy around food that I'm putting off, you know, not to blame anybody for things, but just, you know, just, you know, what is what's going on there? Just getting curious and kind, very gently curious with yourself about that, I think is so important. Yeah. And I really appreciate your saying that we talk a lot about sort of being aware of your own relationship with food and what your own relationship with food is like, and then how that might be getting communicated and getting back to like, okay, so maybe your child doesn't like a certain food. That's okay. You know, like we all have foods that we don't like. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You can, there are other, other things or other ways that you could introduce or reintroduce that food or not, you know, it's, it's okay. I love that. I think that there's just a lot of pressure on parents to do things a certain way. And so I really appreciate the permission to be flexible and to let go and to just kind of move with what is possible for your kids and for your family. Yeah. And, you know, I'm referencing the book here, but, you know, our, the dessert chapter is 
called the subtitle for desserts is the imperfections of living a perfect life. And that relates to dessert because people also have feelings about dessert. And this is not a health food book. This is a balanced eating book, a psychological (laughs) book, cookbook in a way. And, you know, dessert is, is a part of that. And it really is, you know, this pressure that so many parents feel to be perfect. I mean, one, I mean, I'll speak from my own experience, not obtainable. Oh my gosh. No, no. But then you see, you know, like I see some of my, you know, students in, you know, higher education. And and it's like, this is about learning. You're not here because you're supposed to know it. This is about learning. And so, you know, I think kids who that pressure for kids and for parents, and it's real because Mm -hmm. we know higher education is expensive and there's, you know, you got to get the scholarship. I mean, this is real, but what we lose out on with that is, you know, the joy of making a mistake of building resilience from making a mistake, the joy of, you know, taking a risk, trying something new and seeing what that's like. And, Oh, maybe Mm -hmm. that wasn't great. But at least I tried. And now I know that, you know, I tried to make that new friend and it didn't Mm -hmm. work out. And okay, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that it's, you know, when my kids were little, especially my first, we did a lot of sugar restricting. I was in a community where there was a lot, just a lot of like, kind of almost like orthorexia, which is uh, kind of over controlling health foods. And I realized when she was maybe like, maybe two, that she had very little experience with sugar. And when she had it, she had very little ability to to self-regulate around it. And so we kind of had to make a big shift in our approach to sweets. And now my kids self-regulate beautifully around sugar. But it can be really uncomfortable and unsettling for some parents to see their kids practicing and playing with food and figuring out where their limits are, figuring out how to listen to their body and how much candy is too much. And when does it make my tummy hurt? It's it it can be really hard for, for parents to, to do that. And I think it's really important because it's learning to be self-regulated around things like that is an important skill too, that gets built over time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's so interesting what you're saying because there's research that shows that when there's like a restriction of things like sweets that, kids are going to want to have that more. Mm-hmm. And of course, of course they were so the much sense. I know scarcity and, and the forbidden fruit, you know, yeah. it's just, of course, they're going to want more of it. Yeah. Um, yes. And I mean, and that just makes so much sense. And it's so funny. So we saw that so clearly with both of my kids, my first one, you know, went from being, you know, really like not even really liking sweets and just eating fruits to then being kind of obsessed. And then we did a little bit of healing with that versus my second one who we didn't restrict at all. We just gave access to, she still consistently will eat part, maybe part of a piece of cake and then just eat fruit. You know, she she still just is 
I have no, nothing's messed with her yet. She just listens to her body. It's so beautiful yeah. to see. It's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. And you know, you're also, I appreciate what you're saying in the sense that every child is different, right? Like mm-hmm. you can have, you know, your kids or your kids, they can be so different. And I think that makes it hard because, you know, as parents, we have to try <laughs> to like tailor these <laughs> ideas for each kid, even though yes. they're all our kids. So that's a, another level of challenge. It is. Although that I think that that's why I like collaborative parenting so much is because that's really the, it, when we give, put ourselves in a position that where we have to be the knowers of all the right ways to do things and we have to figure out, okay, this is how I'm going to do it with this kid who's different from this kid who's different from this kid. That's a, that is a lot of pressure. But if we come from a place yeah. of like, okay, so they're the expert on themselves and all I really need to do is meet them with curiosity and they'll, t- yeah. they'll let me know and we'll work together to find out the right yeah. approach for each of these individuals. It's a lot less pressure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot less pressure and there's no power struggle there. Yes. You know, it's like, we're in this together. If there's no power struggle, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes I feel like the some kids like the power struggle just because they need the practice of fight, like standing up for themselves too, Yeah, you know, but yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, well, so you see, I, I really appreciate this conversation and the work that you're putting out into the world. Will you share with us if people want to get in touch with you where they can find you? Absolutely. So we have a website for the book, which is eatingtogetherbeingtogether.com. And I also have a website, which is drccnyc.com. And I'm happy to, you know, answer any questions folks have and just, you know, be a support. It's, this is, I really appreciate everything you said today. And I'm, I'm hopeful that parents can, you know, really find their own path. Um, And again, that's, you know, why I share that for us, it was, you know, the Sunday, the Sunday dinner, and I am definitely not a cook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I think one of my kids' favorite mealtime traditions is a Fridays we watch a TV show together and eat dinner together and they love they love that because normally our meals are completely screen free and it's just very special for them Um, so so finding those things yeah that's very fun in the snack chapter we have this amazing and it is it's just it's a great and I'm gonna just take credit this was my recipe not my chef husband's but for popcorn making Mm. homemade popcorn it's like a little oil and then you have your popcorn kernels and your sea salt and the trick is that you put like three kernels in the oil and you let those pop first Mm -hmm. when you hear them pop you take the pan off the oven, let it cool a little bit because you don't want those three kernels to overcook and burn. Then you put the rest of the kernels in, you put it back on the heat and you're going to get this great popcorn. And then the activity, of course, is a movie night, right? Yeah. (laughs) And then you've got this great popcorn and movie night. And, uh, you know, you were talking about your kids. My girls' friends were like, is your mom making the popcorn? Like, it's (laughs) so good. And and then you enjoy that time together with mm-hmm. the popcorn. So yeah. you figure out other ways to like be together and have food be a catalyst for that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Cece. Well, I'll make sure that all of your links and everything are in the show notes. Um, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.